Hello there. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Today we have episode number 57. We are going to be we are going to be talking about Darkness Over Umbara, the General, Plan of Descent, and Carnage of Krell. And we have a very special guest with us today. How are you doing, Nessa? I'm doing great. I'm here to talk about clones. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what we were doing. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. What was this like? I think this was like 20, 30 episodes ago. You were like, yeah, yeah. I totally want to join um, you for Umbara. And we're like, we'll see what we can do. And here we are. We are here recording we are. <laughs> Umbara. Um, and yeah, we were talking a little bit before the recording. This is going to be quite a, um episode filled with... Um, Hot takes, you could say, um, because <laughs> Nessa and Jacob are both huge fans of this arc, and I am not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's I want to make this perfectly then. clear um, before we start this. I don't hate any of these episodes. I just don't like them as much as most people do. Um, not all Star Wars is for everyone. My Star Wars tastes tend to be a little weirder than most people's. <laughs> Um, I, uh, but we'll get to that, I, and I'm not a huge fan of this arc, but there are still, I try to be very optimistic in my, uh, pursuit of Star Wars, and there's still quite a bit to like in this arc. Um, so, should we, uh, get into this? Darkness on Umbara. In the first episode of this incredible quadrilogy, we see, uh, Anakin leading the 501st into a battle on Umbara. They take heavy casualties and make their way through the mist, but unfortunately, Anakin is called back to Coruscant by Palpatine, and he is replaced by the infamous General Pong Krell, who is known for his high, high casualty rates. And and he he means business, you know. He's not super friendly to the clones, but um, they make their way forwards. Uh, there's some airstrikes, a lot of battles. And it actually may be the only episode where the last shot is a battle scene. Our fortune cookie is the first step towards loyalty is trust. It's so funny because I actually like right before, you know, like in preparation for recording with you guys today, I was actually listening to an earlier episode. And of course, my mind is completely blanking now, but trust kept coming up there as well. <laughs> it's possible. This is a big theme in a lot yeah, of the Clone Wars. Yeah. It is. And I feel like it's really important to address that with the clones as well. Cause obviously the episodes you guys were discussing were um, the first arc with Padme's ex. I can't remember his name Clovis. now. All of a Clovis. Clovis. Oh. Yes. Oh. Um, <laughs> was that the episode with Alden Diaz? Yes. It was. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So we love Alden here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alden's a great guy. It was a fantastic episode too. Like I was trying to do work and I ended up just like closing everything and sitting to listen. So. <laughs> <Thank you> so <laughs> much. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it's really interesting to bring up that concept with clones. Cause we see it with the Jedi. We see it with Anakin. We see it with Padme. Um, but like a lot of the time, the perspective of clones in terms of trusting each other and trusting others outside of the clone culture bubble um, doesn't get addressed very often. But I feel like in the Umbara arc, we get to see that in like the most intimate of detail. So Absolutely. I really like this like addressing of trust. Yeah. To me, it feels almost like this episode was kind of setting up Order 66 a little bit. You know, I feel like this episode really established 
both in Anakin's presence and his absence, how Anakin and also I think Ahsoka and Obi-Wan are on one end of the spectrum of how clones get treated by different Jedi. And then Paul and Krell is, of course, all the way at the other end, where he's super nasty to the clones. And I think if we can assume that most of the Jedi fall somewhere in between these two examples, it makes sense that I think, despite the inhibitor chips, a lot of the clones didn't have too much of a problem with Order 66, even after the effects of the chips wore off. So I thought that was that was interesting. That's how I chose to interpret it. But yeah. I think, yeah, too many clones just didn't trust their Jedi, and this kind of shows why. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, you get to see, even with Jedi who are, you know, like, ones that we would prefer, like, or, you know, favor. Um, Luminara is one I think of all the time. And, you know, she's supposed to be this exemplary Jedi, like something, somebody that we could look up to. Yeah, quote unquote, exemplary Jedi. <laughs> um, Rafa Martez see, might have something to say about that. It's exactly what I was going to bring up is like Rafa, you know, she gets to see from an outside perspective how Luminara's actions could be perceived as callous when other Jedi might laud her for her behavior. And we see it with Barris as well, when she's so ready to be like, well, Barris died and like move on. <laughs> uh, it's so, the will of the force. Yeah, it's the will of the force. So her, you know, like even these so-called great Jedi taking this very same perspective to clones, it would color how they would perceive that person. So <laughs> it was really funny. One of my questions that I wrote down while I was is, is the 501st spoiled in terms of like their interactions with their Jedi? Like, do they have, are they considered to be like, Oh, you're real lucky if you end up in the 501st. So there's all these different balances and dynamics you see where it's not good or bad in any complete perspective, but for clones, you know, they're being set up to inherently distrust their own generals, despite being trained to listen to them completely. Yeah, it's interesting I that think... you bring that up because it's like I I always think because maybe the five hundred first are spoiled. Maybe that is something that that's happening with them. But what I think of when I think of the five hundred first, I remember several times reading in reference books and all that jazz about the five hundred first being one of the most elite clone squadrons in the Republic, and later the Empire, too, because in Legends, at least, they get transformed into what's called Vader's Fist. Vader's Fist, yeah. Um, and uh, and it's like, are they spoiled? They could be con could, they could be conceived as spoiled, but, like, they also, there's also, like, a trade-off to that, because you yeah. have to be at X level of clonemanship to be in the 501st to begin with. Clonemanship. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I think it's interesting that you bring it up. Knowing what I know about the Clone Wars, I would say that maybe they're considered spoiled, and that's part of the reason that the clones have a problem with the Jedi, is that most clones, maybe, as we're kind of finding out, as the Clone Wars unfolds, most clones aren't getting the kind of treatment where their generals are out front. You know, they, they complained in this episode about Krell bringing up yeah. the rear rather than Anakin, you know, being out front, saber blazing, fighting with them, trying to protect them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we'll know by, like, one of the future episodes, Carnage of Krell, it's not that he can't fight, it's that he's choosing not to. Um, 
and, uh, yeah. Um, I want to bring up, because it's going to come up sooner or later for me, um, I want to bring up Vietnam, because <laughs> I feel like you cannot talk about Umbara with talking without talking about Vietnam. Because Star Wars, one of the things, uh, one of the most idiotic arguments I've seen online recently is that Star Wars is not political. Star Wars is so inherently political, it's not even funny. Um, and specifically Vietnam, you know, George Lucas was growing up in, like, the Vietnam times when, when the Vietnam War was going on, and, you know, the whole idea of a spo supposedly technologically inferior force destroying a supposedly technologically superior one with the Rebels and the Empire was inspired by the Viet Cong and the United States. Um, and this arc to me is specifically, I, I, I was telling this to Jacob yesterday, every time I saw a, something that was said on Umbara that could have been said in Vietnam, I plugged in into my notes the, the opening lyrics of Fortunate Son, um, <laughs> just to remind myself, hey, here's Vietnam again. Um, yeah. It yeah. happens over and over and over again. I, I wrote down the Fortunate Son thing 10 times, 12 times. Um, you know, peop, uh, a, for, uh, a massive empirical force, the Republic almost, uh, the Republic eventually turns into the Empire, invading a planet that they don't really have any business being on, um, and, you know, and, um, the Republic has more success than the United States does, but, like, um, still, the, you cannot deny the parallels in that regard. I mean, yeah, even just considering, like, the tactics that are used in the very yeah. first episode, you know, like, you can't see the enemy. They, you know, like, stay close. There may be booby traps everywhere. They could have this whole place trapped. And then they and just it, bring in the Y-Wings to carpet bomb everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. brutal. It is, it, I think. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I think, um, well, yeah, I'll come back to what you're saying, but yeah, I, I think also, um, in terms of the brutality of it, it's so interesting how quickly the clones become so callous towards the Ambarans. You know, we see one of them, like, like their helmet is broken and they're struggling to breathe, and then they, the clone just puts a gun in their face and yeah. pulls the trigger. And I think another another thing, if, we, if we're talking about this in parallel to the Vietnam War and maybe other more modern uh, uh, wars, um, we have to consider how the, the Imperial Force is... Um, imperial in terms of like imperialistic rather than just the empire in star wars yeah. <laughs> is, is so easily othering um the the people that they're fighting against into the point where they're like committing horrible acts yeah. i think you see a little bit of that here absolutely and actually what i was going to say relates to what you said and i was going to point out how you know they're they're committing atrocities but at the same time we're being asked to feel bad for the clones without any kind of like consideration for what they're doing to the Umbarans. So, you know, like, like you said, pointing out these horrible things the clones are doing, I think specifically Rex says uh, that one still has some juice left in yeah, it. Yeah, and then he shoots yeah. him. And then he like it's shoots like, him three times and he's like, not anymore. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Or the part when um, it's one of the noob clones, I can't remember who, but they just kind of go crazy and start just shooting the wild animals that are, flying by yeah. and he's like you want hard some case. more he's gunning them down yeah hard case yeah <laughs> that was i thought that was very disturbing <laughs> one of the things that i'm going to here we go 
Um, one of the things I'm going to critique about this arc relates exactly to that, and I brought this up uh, while I was, like, in my notes about this. I want to hear about the Umbarans. Why are they supporting the Separatists? What is motivating them against the Republic? We never get any context about that, and it makes the arc feel extremely hollow to me. Now, you can make the argument, and I'm sure the argument's going to be made, the Umbara arc is not about the Umbarans. It's not about them. No. And I totally respect that, and I totally see that. But it's still, like, you know, we we get a very similar... This is another critique about it I'm going to bring up. Like, Umbara always in this ray reminds me of Geonosis in Season 2. You know, we get this very... Um, and this is, by the way, uh, another reason why I could say that um, Jacob probably likes it more than I do. It's ground battle, the grittiness, the open warfare type of thing. But with the Genosians, we see, you know, they have this entire underground society in the catacombs. Tem- the, the, I was going to say Temple of Doom, which is Indiana Jones. Uh, Legacy <laughs> of Terror. I can feel like um, a Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah. That's actually in the episode, that episode we did on an Indiana Jones and the Progate Temple. So um, <laughs> that, was, that was not on accident. At least the Genosians, we get to see their society. We get to see their ways of... That they're going to fight back against the Republic, mostly with the brainworms. Uh, Umbarans, you know, they're just people who are shooting at them the entire time. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. They're the enemy, I guess, but like, I think I would yeah. be fighting. I think I would I point like... out that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to say that this, it's definitely one of those moments where you really have to look back at other episodes because i'm i would you know i'm sitting here and i'm like why why did this happen and i realized i had no idea like why umbara was even um invaded because i'm i was like well isn't one of palpatine's aides actually umbaran slymore yeah um and apparently all of this kind of loops back to those episodes with me dichi the there was an umbaran senator who was oh, killed dead. in another episode. <laughs> to me, at least, it felt very intentional that we didn't really know a lot about why this was being fought or about the Umbarans. And I think throughout the entire episode, we never really get a real... We, we never really get a specific reason why the clones are even on Umbar, you know? Like, they don't... It seems like they don't know. The most we get is the narrator at the beginning um just shadowy world of umbara yeah the shadowy world of umbara where they're fighting for this crucial planet like why is it crucial why is it crucial yeah like all they say is like aligned with the separatists like that's the only reason we're really given yeah Yeah. also also this is i think if i'm correct one of the first arcs in which the clones are not fighting against droids and i think this is different than the Geonosis arc, because you know, the, in the Geon- in Geonosis, I feel like they're the, the they Geonosians made out to be monsters, but they're also fighting against Geonosians, and they're like, "Oh, these are these crazy bugs! Look at them! They're carrying off the clones! Like, oh, they're gonna go eat them or something! Oh my gosh! Like, look at them! They're gross! They they even talk about how they smell bad." But yeah. in here, it, it really kind of. I mean, if you're living in a catacomb all your life, of course you're gonna smell bad. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. But, I just but even like Geonosis, they now. fight. They fight <laughs> They fight droids, like, the entirety of landing in Point Rain. The only time where clones fight droids in this entire arc 
is on the supply ship at the end of Plan of Descent. Yeah. That's yeah. the only time they fight droids. Um, I actually gotta say, it was kind of a relief to me. Like, when I saw them fighting droids, I'm like, ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> this is how it should be. <laughs> this, this, is, this is good. This is, this is back to regular. Um, one of the biggest comparisons of this arc that I'm going to make, and I'm gonna try and restrain myself here because... I'm gonna let I'm I like the following media better than I like Umbara, but Jacob is going to vehemently disagree with me. But <laughs> that's just a risk I'm gonna take. I take it all the time, so that's that's totally cool. Um, one of the biggest comparisons I constantly make is I constantly compare Umbara to the Last Jedi. There's a lot of comparisons to Last Jedi in Umbara. They're both extremely dramatic. They're both extremely like, for example, one of the first immediate connections I make. There is a, there is a point, you know, because Fives joins the um, clone crew on this arc. And Fives, we gather, is not a critical part of the 501st. He is put there because to help Rex with strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and we assume Anakin with strategy. But really, Fives is there to to raise the tension between Rex a and foil. Krell. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, um, it was, to me, like, why in Last Jedi, you know, um, if, if, if Rey or Leia or Poe, not, not, not Poe, if Rey, Leia, or Finn was with Poe on the Radis with Haldo the entire time, that wouldn't work because Finn, Leia, Leia or Rey would get Poe to lower the temperature with Holdo. But having nobody there to do that, Poe and Holdo really do get at it in The Last Jedi because Poe is that hothead with, hothead with no one to stop him. And so mm -hmm. I kind of saw the parallels there. Um, yeah. I like that parallel because, you know, I, I feel like that too shows that there's a diversity in clones as well. In terms of like their willingness to comply, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of seeing how, especially with, <laughs> hearkening back to what we first talked about with rookies, with five showing up there for the first time and, um, you know, like getting to see how he has grown into being a very dynamic, individualistic arc trooper to the point that he's butting heads with the guy who saved his butt <laughs> so it's just interesting to see like how all of these how each clone interprets the situation differently yeah um, yeah definitely absolutely yeah. like really get oh. the sense that they're that they're individuals and that, that's something i love about this arc is how much that is emphasized and we see it, and it's not just a binary either as it goes on of you got we gotta kill Krell. No, we we gotta remain loyal. Like it's it's actually everyone has see. their own take, and pe they have yeah. real qualms and conflict. You can see Tup wavering throughout this arc, um, which actually I just realized probably foreshadows season six quite a bit, where yeah. Tup literally wavers between two sides because of the inhibitor chip um, activating prematurely. Um, one of the things I want to point out about this um, uh, arc just while I can, that's a minor gripe I have with this arc. 
um, I was watching, I don't know, I, I reference this um, series of videos a lot. I don't know if you've seen all of them, Nessa. I don't know if you've seen all of them, Jacob. The Honest Trailers. Um, so I was, I, was, I was watching the one for, it, the one that came up was the one for Solo. Um, get ready for one of the darkest Star Wars movies ever. I'm like, what are you talking about, Honest Trailers? And then they're like, like literally one of the darkest Star Wars movies ever. You can barely see anything. This is one of the darkest Clone Wars arcs ever. It I mean, so literally, dark. you can barely see anything half the time. That is a problem. That is honestly kind of a problem for me watching it. It makes me mad yeah. noticing just how much, just how much fing many fingerprints and little pieces of dust and schmutz there are on my screen. I'm just like, oh, no, make it stop, make it go away, please. Being forced it to is... confront your own reflection while watching Amara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is... yeah, 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 exactly. Was, that, was Dave Filoni making a, an intentional choice with right? that? So can I bounce back to you mentioning Tup? Because yeah. I feel like that's a really good additional factor in terms of you bringing in Vietnam. Tup is a child. Like, I believe he's considered to be like one of the youngest active clones um and you can actually see his inexperience like remember when they are flying in for the first time to land on umbara tup is actually holding on with both hands yeah. in the ship and they're like hey hey you doing okay and he's like yep i'm great <laughs> so you and can tell right i mean they're all technically kids but like okay. well yeah <laughs> um but yeah like so you get this extra factor of they're rushing to produce clones they're rushing to get clones on the battlefield and they're clearly compromising in terms of quote unquote quality when it comes to getting clones out there battling. And I think that's also why we get hard case. And because I think yeah. of, you know, and when they were talking about the bad batch, they're like acceptable mutations, yeah, useful mutations. But at what point is hard cases hyperactivity actually beneficial or is it a detriment and i feel like we get to see a little bit more of like the cracks in the veneer in terms of producing clone troopers and producing clone troopers rapidly for a war that is just like spiraling out of control if we're talking about dogma i think also it's it's interesting to see how he has less experience to the point where he he is the one wanting to press on when rex and the other other more experienced clones the ogs want to rest and then, yeah. and then Rex ends up, or Fives ends up saying, like, hey, the captain gave you an order. Like, this is not an option. You have to rest. And I think... Rex actually does that. It's because oh, Anakin Rex. gives the order. Oh, it's Anakin. Anakin. Oh, I got messed up. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah for which sure. Is, which is a magic moment, in my opinion, for a couple of reasons. First of all, we see how giving Anakin is and how loyal to his troops Anakin yeah. is. Which really... Because you'd know intellectually that... Anakin's a much better general than Krell, but they wanted to make the, they wanted to hit that point home. So they really tried to include an example there. Second of all, I will say this: I, I'm not a huge fan of this arc. Dogma's character arc is brilliant. It is maybe my favorite thing about this entire arc. Um, I went into this because I didn't remember much of this arc, to be completely honest. Um, I went into this one of the only things I knew from the outset was that Dogma was going to be the one to kill Krell. But then seeing that, going and knowing that Dogma was going to kill Krell at the end was a beautiful thing for me because you really see it, it is a twist that is unlike some other twists in this arc. Spoiler. It was a twist that was magically manufactured because 
they didn't drop too many hints about it. They dropped they everything that Dogma did was in direct like opposition to the idea that he would kill Krell. Yeah. As opposed to some other arcs that were, in my opinion, set up a little too well, but we'll get to that. Um, but I think, in my mind, that that shows how much of a struggle he went through and how maybe the reason that he was so loyal to Krell and, and having to follow the orders super by the book was because he was one of the fresher clones. Mm-hmm. And he, he was younger and he didn't have as much experience, so he didn't know where to draw the line. So he just thought, I just, I gotta stick this out. I gotta do everything I can to play it safe, play it by the book. You can actually see a reference to that in that exact scene because Anakin then turns to Rex and says, "He reminds me of you." And Rex says, "Maybe in the old days." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I missed that, but yeah, yeah. There's that little reference to like how much Rex himself has grown through experience and through working specifically with Anakin. Um, Yeah. One of the best examples of Rex's growth, by the way, is a little episode called The Deserter. Um, <laughs> let's talk. Let, I, I love I, that episode. <laughs> says, says Eli trying to shift dramatically from the clone episode that he doesn't like to the clone episode that he does. <laughs> um, that is my favorite episode of the Clone Wars. So, um, it's a good choice. I've never seen more a more hated character online. Like a more unanimously hated character than Pong Krell. I mean, I, I mean, there's a couple other ones. There was another one I was trying to think of. There was another one that gets hated almost as much as Krell, but I forget who it is. I feel like that says something. Commander Fox, maybe. Maybe Poor Fox. Fox. Yeah. No, there is an entire um. There is a there is an entire um subreddit that i'm not going to name right now but it's dedicated to hating pong krell let's just uh, say it's called f pong krell <laughs> <laughs> i think it's f yeah. pong krell but okay maybe maybe um, yeah I, I'm, I don't doubt it i mean yeah look i knew i knew he was bad news from the moment the camera panned behind him and we saw that weird half uh half ponytail half man bun hairdo <laughs> that he had yeah, yeah. you know make up your mind man questionable hair choices name you make the character the, <laughs> even the clone can can pull off the the man bun better than he can i think it's jesse who has it's the tough. no oh it's, t- oh, it's tough oh, it's, it's, it's tough yeah it is tough oh my god tough is our little rapunzel clone <laughs> how does he fit it under his helmet though that's i've that's always right. wondered <laughs> don't ask these questions one of my biggest gripes with this arc for me is the things that are said that never get explained now look, I'm not going to go all all full like lore junkie here and say every si- single little thing from an arc has to be explained. I just want some like of the major things. For example, why does Anakin have to go back to Coruscant? Why, why is it so <laughs> urgent that Anakin needs to go back to Coruscant? I've always imagined that Anakin gets to Coruscant and the Jedi Council's like, "What are you doing here?" Oh my gosh, imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like Krell well, just made it up and showed up, took over, and Anakin goes all the way back to Coruscant and they're like, Aren't you supposed to be on Avara? <laughs> well, if that happens, then why was why wasn't Obi-Wan so why was why wasn't Obi-Wan so weirded out in during the numerous hollow calls he has with Krell and this arc? Krell does mention that the orders came directly from Palpatine. Yeah. I know, but like, what's but so like? Urgent? We need more. Yeah, I'm very not. 
my my thing is here's something here's the only nugget of anything that I could pull out. Um, there was a video made by a Star Wars YouTube channel called um, I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with this channel, The Lore Master. Um, I may have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Used to be known as Fact Free. Um, okay, uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, they make informational videos about stuff. Um, uh, anyway, I do remember them them making a Legends video. I think this might have been Legends. I don't know about Anakin and Palpatine, and Palpatine using Anakin as being like a poster boy for the war. Oh, definitely. And it was mentioned in that video. And it's I'm sure it's from some Star Wars source. That Palpatine would drag Anakin out of battles that he wanted the Separatists to win and then put Anakin oh. front and center at the battles that the Republic was going to win. So my oh, only my idea, what, my conclusion was, Palpatine wanted Umbara to be a Separatist victory. Yeah. And let's face it, for 90% of the arc, it looked like Umbara was going to be a Separatist victory. It did. And yeah, so my so then... only thought was that Palpatine did not want Anakin on the front lines when Umbara got absolutely lambasted by the Separatists. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I that, would add that's that... That's my only explanation. And yeah, it I would only that switched that... tracks when yeah. the clones broke Krell's rulebook and went back to Anakin's. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, that does beg the question then of... Did Palpatine know anything about Krell? And I, I have to assume that he didn't because Krell yeah, said, I, "Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and tell Count Dooku what I did. He's gonna be so proud of me." Yeah. Oh, Krell. Oh, oh, you, guy. oh little you sweet you know. little child. Oh, you sweet little child. <laughs> That's the most naive thing of this all. He really doesn't know how the Sith work. No, he not at all. We'll, get to that. well yeah. in fairness, how many dark Jedi does Dooku take on as his apprentice during the Clone Wars? By the way, in Legends, how many Dark Jedi does Dooku take on as his apprentice during the Clone Wars? The answer to that question, take the number of Dark Jedi Dooku apprentices in canon and multiply that number by about two, two and a half. <laughs> Wait, so, is like, it... <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's a lot, I take it. It's six or seven. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. Dang. Wait, and all during the, during the Clone Wars? All during the Clone Wars. If we're looking Goodness at the gracious. old Legends comics, Quinlan Voss, Tolscore, um, Ventress, Grievous, Oppressed doesn't exist. Um, there's there's a couple other ones. It's just collecting them. It's like Pokemon. <laughs> Dooku is Thanos yeah. in the Dark Side. Dark Jedi are the Infinity Stones. Just gotta... There's another gotta one. Catch, there's, another one. there's another one. No, it's, it's like... If you thought in canon Palpatine's disregard for the rule of two just went out the window, in Legends it's a completely other story. Palpatine's like, rule of two, I never met her. (laughs) 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 It's kind of ridiculous, mostly because a lot of the media was written before the rule of two existed, but we're going to go that way. Um, Not a lot of it, but some of of it. Uh, Phantom Menace. Wait, that Really? That was the first time. Well, I, I just in assumed the reference it was so stuff older. from the Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. By the way, um, let me, let me, let me. I want to talk about three words that can summarize this entire arc for me. Oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end the end of this quote. Is it the very uh, first line? Krell says to Rex, "I find it very interesting, Captain, that you were able to recognize the value of honor." Here we go. 
for a clone. <laughs> yeah. That for a clone summarizes the entire arc. It, it's the calm down Anakin of the Umbara arc. Yeah, I mean, oh jeez, <laughs> it is ironic considering that it becomes his downfall, Palm Carl's downfall, that he can't estimate, or I guess he he always underestimates yeah. the clones. Yeah. Even as he's completely fooling them, it ends up becoming his downfall, nevertheless. Which also, I think is super cool. Also, here's another thing I want to mention about um, another small gripe with this arc that Jacob mentioned earlier. Krell's effectiveness rates. They're really high, apparently. Yeah. We're told. I yeah. guess we're just supposed to take people's word for that. His effectiveness rates are also high. Exactly how high? Who knows? Who cares? You know, it's like I'm supposed to just take this. It's like, like you know, it's I don't know. It just, it just feels like you know, um, making a comparison to this again, the Last Jedi. Um, Holdo. Wait, is that Admiral Holdo? Battle of Chiron Belt, Admiral Holdo. <laughs> We get yeah. a we get a name. At least we get a name. Yeah. Poe is, is impressed with Holdo's performance at the Battle of Chiron Belt. That's all I know. That's all I care. You know what I mean? I feel like that's that's kind of a staple in um in Star Wars though. I mean it happened yeah, in New Hope, like the, the Clone Wars. The heck are the Clone Wars? And then in um Revenge of the Sith, you know. Uh, the Outer Rim sieges. We don't know anything about that until we actually address them in the last season of the Clone Wars. So I feel like that's a pretty common thread for them to be like, here's a name drop. We'll tell you about it in 10 years. Yeah. I want to see the Battle of Chiron Belt. I want to see the... as uh, Jacob, you know what I'm going to bring up? That time on Canon Nemoidia, the swarm yes. of Venomites on Dragoon. <laughs> I also yeah. want to see the Battle of Anset Island, where Janna and her troops turn, uh, yes. stop firing at the civilians, which sounds like a Jack Who on mass um, <laughs> for uh, Finn. By the way, Anset Island is is an anagram for Staten Island, where Chris Terrio was born. Fun fact. Wow. Um, and where is that reference from? Uh, Rest Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The um, but uh, yeah, I want I want these references. I also want to know how the heck Krell is effective at winning so many battles. But <laughs> yeah, that's just me. Yeah, I feel like it's it's supposed to be some kind of commentary because you hear fives later say like, yeah, his casualty rates are more than anybody. So I feel like it's supposed to be this small little commentary that isn't perhaps fully completed about how effectiveness and success sometimes equates to like significant loss of life but it doesn't matter when it's clones yeah. yeah i also i also just like even with that i'm like oh it's higher than anyone is it really higher than anyone is it like a per battle thing is it as a whole how is it higher again i i still i'm still find myself wanting these details just because i don't know it just it it lessens the power of krell like, you know, if he was just a bad general, then, you know, we could make some conclusions based on that. Yeah. But apparently he's a very good general. How good? You know, who knows how good. On the track to, um, I forget where exactly where they're going. They're going towards the capital city. 
Yes. I forget that they're even marching towards the capital city in this first episode. I or forget about that. Um, they they um, they come upon some just random creatures that they have to fight. Yes. Which is like, I'm sorry, this entire arc was written by Matt McNevitz, but that was a Filoni edition. I'm sorry, <laughs> that is a Filoni edition. Dave Filoni is obsessed with random creatures flying in and messing up everything. Um, <laughs> If, if he wasn't, it, it does happen several times. Literally everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's another kind of interesting touch too to mention that. How do I want to phrase this? That even like the world itself is its own kind of like microcosm. Like the battle isn't going to go smoothly because like there's a battle happening. Like other stuff is going to happen simultaneously. And especially yeah. with them being in an unfamiliar environment, they don't know what they're walking into. They don't know what's on Umbara. And that too is kind of like, did you guys just like throw clone troopers at it and hope for the best? Like, yeah. was there yeah. any actual plan with Umbara? They don't, or was they it don't just know. strategic? Yeah. Yeah. And, they don't know what's going to happen in Vietnam. So, Umbara, Umbara. <laughs> Shoot. This is my problem. Um, yeah, but it feels like we see that so much in Star Wars of, of yeah. kind of the, the themes with nature and maybe not just the man versus man type of storytelling. You know, you got these guys and you got, you got these people and they're fighting each other, but also the, the, the natural element kind of coming up and messing it up. I, I'm thinking of maybe uh, the Thrawn and the space whales or the, the space slug. Um, I'm thinking of the Zillow beast. The Zillow beast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a big Sorry. one. So it's yeah. not, it's not without precedent. Look, yeah. sure. But then again, that is not, that is turned from a humans versus creature thing to a humans versus other humans thing. So yeah, like, pretty quickly, I call it the, um, the Godzilla episode, the Godzilla arc that is not a Godzilla arc. Um, it's true though. It's, it's their it's, kaiju it's, arc. It's it's it's, it's 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 Godzilla, but the focus is not on Godzilla. Yeah. Um, which is, by the way, why I love Star Wars so much because it takes something like that. Yeah. Um, and it totally turns it on its head. Speaking of actually, good good segue here. Speaking of turning things on its head, I'd like to talk about Krell and clone trooper names. Mm. CT seven five six seven. Are you reading me? So what I love. So th this is one of the things I genuinely do love about this arc. This arc. Here's how I'm gonna do this. With I'm gonna connect it again to this movie right here, The Last Jedi. We're talking about one of the one of the biggest things that's mentioned with The Last Jedi is deconstruction of Star Wars tropes. Mm. This is a deconstruction of everything the Clone Wars has been trying to build to this point. What is constantly, constantly pinned down, like, uh, hammered down to us? The clones are more than just numbers. They're people. They are people behind the helmet. What is the first thing that Krell does? He reduces them back to another disposable CGI army, as honest trailers would say. They're... He dehumanizes them. He yeah. completely dehumanizes them. He literally deconstructs. He deconstructs the themes of the Clone Wars, and he deconstructs the clones literally themselves. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating stuff. Um, it's yeah. Yeah, I think but, it just shows like when Krell he ends up saying to Rex, "Do you have a malfunction in your design? Like, are you really?" Yeah. Reading? He just talks to them like they're. Not even, that, not like even they're human. droids. Yeah, yeah. it dehumanizes is, them. Yeah, 
which is he doesn't one of my... say it's like a defect. He doesn't say it's you know like are you are you made wrong? You know, it's it's straight up saying like you are built incorrectly. Yeah, he, yeah. Because <laughs> as much as he as much as he will admit in Carnage of Krell that he does not care about working with the Separatists, place him with a Separatist army and he would have more success than with a Republic army. Absolutely, he absolutely. Is one of my one of the things I'm there are a couple things. First of all, I would have loved to see a like if they ever do. I know Marvel right now is currently doing a. Um, they're doing an animated what if series on Disney Plus. I yeah. cannot emphasize how much we need that with Star Wars. I think we're getting one, aren't we? No, I don't think we are. Oh, maybe that's my bad. <laughs> if we are, I would freak out. I would freak out if we got one. But I don't think we are. You might be thinking of visions, but I don't think that's what if. That's it. Yep, that's not you. You are correct. Um, <laughs> I'd be freaking out if it was. Um, I would be too. Like I was like, yeah. Mm. Um, w- what if I want to see is a separatist general Pongrel? Mm, yeah. I want to see him commanding droids because at the end of the day, droids will work better for Krell than clones will. Yeah. Because droids, I'm going to give a massive asterisk to this because. Jacob will ramble on about Battle Droid <laughs> Society, and he may have a point to that one. But <laughs> if you give Battle Droids an, an order, they will follow it. Mm-hmm. Mostly. The Clone Wars actually. They might complain. Does, <laughs> the Clone Wars does the most to contradict that, but let's just say mostly. Um, yeah. You know, it uh, this is one of the great ways that, in, in my opinion, the Umbara ties back to the Zerter in this way. You know, and Grievous Intrigue, the whole, um, the low power stuff that we were talking about. Um, uh, that, that, droid, that clones have that extra drive, they have that extra purpose. An army with no loyalty, no spirit, just programming from Grievous Intrigue. Um, Cut and Rex have an entire conversation about names in, um, The Deserter. The Kamen Owens won't give you names. Maybe names are something you should pick yourself. Maybe you should try and pick your own life for yourself, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that I just thought of is how the only time, I think, when he, when, when um, Krell refers to a clone by their, like, nickname is when he's talking to Dogma when they're both imprisoned. And he's saying, Dogma, you, I was relying on the blind loyalty of people like you. And that was, I was like, wow, he's, he, man. What he's is that kneeling. all about? He's needling. Yeah, he. Yeah. There is one other time that he calls a clone by name, and it's Oppo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Yep. So, and I feel like at that point he's treating it like a reward. Yeah. He, yes. Exactly. That's like that's what I was point. missing. Yeah. So like because, he, because Oppo's sitting next to him, obedient. He's not like we should go help them. Like he's like, do you want us to send people in? Yeah. And he's just like, eh, no. But he calls him by name, and he specifically he also gives him a title. He calls him Sergeant. Sergeant. So like, yep. Do you want my hot take? Yes. Um, Oppo is my one in literal millions. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Look, there's so much. That is the perfect segue because Oppo is the clone that he he gets promoted to commander, and he accompanies Anakin into the Jedi Temple to kill everyone during Order sixty six. Yep. Which I think is 
per this is just the perfect foreshadowing for that it is it is it really shows that like when it comes down to it you know and again it comes to that spectrum of clones there are some clones who have learned to question who have learned to embrace their kind of own agency and individuality and there are other clones who take loyalty to mean a lack of individuality so i feel like oppo really kind of embodies that in terms of like he may have his own thoughts but he doesn't let them out. Like he never shares them. He does not discuss his own perspectives other than coming up with solutions that benefit the Republic. Hey everyone, do you remember that Maul survived death a couple times? Remember that? How bad is that? I know, right? <laughs> Says Eli not trying to awkwardly segue into one of his one in the millions. Um, yeah, okay. Um, that's that that's become as old as um Tara Sanube or something. Um. I guess something that that I want to bring up is that I think that the idea of trust, which we we're going off of the very fir the first step to loyalty is trust. In this very first episode, we always talk about how this this is uh, the clones having to trust the Jedi. But I think also you could look at it as going the other way, and I think it goes both ways. You know. Pong Krell, I think part of what the episode does to draw the distinction between Pong Krell and Anakin and how they command, even though Anakin is also reckless, is that Pong Krell is furious when Rex disobeys orders and retreats to save clone lives. Whereas Anakin, I think, also probably would have trusted Rex to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And still, like he would know that Rex would do the right thing and still get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's an important balance too, is like Anakin isn't giving them like completely free reign, like do what you want, it's gonna be fine. Like it's it's an earned trust and it's yeah. mutual, I feel like to a certain point. Um, but like they there's that distinction between, you know, like like you said, the Jedi trusting the clones. He Rex has proven time and again that when he makes these choices, when he goes against what maybe somebody else would suggest, he still gets the end result that they're looking for. Jacob, why don't you just rattle off the summary of the general, all go plan of descent, and Nessa will go carnage of Krell, just all in a row. In the general, we see uh, Pong Krell continue to domineer the clones. He orders them down this uh, down this canyon, and he, or you know, he orders them twice, I think, in this episode, into a no-win situation, into head-on confrontations, and Again and again, the clones just get their butts kicked, and they're getting more and more frustrated. Uh, more and more frustrated with with Pong Krell, and eventually, um, I believe it is a uh, hard case and fives who decide that enough is enough. They're tired of being butt kicked by the Embaran superior technology. They infiltrate the Embaran air base. Uh, they steal two tie. Oh gosh, tie fighters, not tie fighters. They steal two Umbaran starfighters. Hey, they, they very people do steal tie fighters in Star Wars shows quite yes, a lot. That so. is true. Yeah. Tie fighters are very, very theft prone. Uh, they they steal the starfighters. They make their way back and they obliterate the enemy uh, giant Walker tanks. And what do you know? Pong Krell is furious because, of course, he is. Well, the, the Krell actually is like, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, he's very. Rather you wouldn't, but like, okay, fine. Um, in plan of descent, Krell orders um, a tighter defense of the um, airbase, and uh, Fives, Hardcase, and Jesse decide to go out 
and uh, infiltrate a, an Umbaran supply ship. Uh, no, it's a separatist supply ship in one of the captured Umbaran starfighters. And um, they do that. It's a crazy ambush sequence. Um, they get out alive, except for Hardcase, who sacrifices himself. Live to fight another day, boys. Live to fight another day. Um, uh, and then when they get back, what, wouldn't you know it, Krell decides to court-martial them for disobeying orders. And then in Carnage of Krell, uh, we actually the best see... One. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Whoops. The good one. <laughs> um, so we actually see a little bit more of that agency seeking from the clones uh rex tries to protest the court martial of fives and jesse um but unfortunately it doesn't do anything because krell doesn't care um so we get to see the clones kind of like progressing through orders and then ultimately going against said orders we see dogma prove his loyalty and the boys be like kid just slow down um <laughs> but then we get what is by and far the most heartbreaking moment of the Umbara arc where truth Krell right there. truth um Krell orders the 501st out into battle with Umbarans who are wearing clone armor only for us to find out that said Umbarans are actually the 212th and we lose one of our darlings poor waxer yeah. <laughs> we love him so um but yeah and then everything goes wrong for krell <laughs> yeah and, yep and he did yep. um and he al did. <laughs> also also i will i will tell you something so i was watching this in the clone wars we watched and of course immediately afterwards i watched Nigeria, which is the next arc uh we're gonna cover Boyle is with the crew on Nigeria, and there's mm -hmm. nothing there no one says anything about waxer to him i'm like what are you doing oh. You just lost his, like, you know, like, like, the, 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 the Woody just buddy. lost his buzz, you know, like. Like, he's one of those, like, Waxer and Boyle are two of those clones that, like, in my head, personally, and I know this sounds really ridiculous because they're all clones, but in my head, they're twins. So, like, they're just, oh, like, a match set. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah. like, for me, that's, like, Waxer and Boyle, that's yeah. Fives and Echo, that's Kicks and Jesse. Like, there's just these sets that seem unbreakable, but then when the break happens, nobody says anything. Yeah. yeah. Buzz just lost his Woody, you know. Um, Han, yeah. Uh, C-3PO just lost his R2-D2. Let's get to um, the general first. The path of ignorance is guided by fear. I don't know. It's pretty cut and dry for me. The clones who remain loyal to Krell do it because they're afraid of him. Yeah, I mean... I like this fortune cookie. I think this also could apply to Krell, you know. I think the reason he goes to the dark side is is not because he really dreams of being a big scary Sith Lord, but maybe because he is afraid of being on the losing side. You know, as, as we see him say yeah. later on. Um, I'm glad we're addressing this now so I can tell you both. One of the things I dislike most about this arc is Krell's turn to the dark side. I think Krell's turn to the dark side is maybe one of the worst written twists in the Clone Wars. Um, in my opinion, it feels to me, we'll get to this when we get to Carnage of Krell, he had a big scary vision that the Jedi are going to lose this war, and he decides immediately to turn to the dark side because of that. Sure, I guess. 
Um, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not faulting his decision for that. I'm faulting the writers in this case because I feel like for all the reasons of somebody that turns to the dark side when the Jedi are, like, messing everything up possible in the prequel era, they go with he had a big scary vision. That's fair. But, I mean, that's the exact same inspiration for Sifo-Dyas to make the clone troopers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's part of my problem with it. Maybe that sifo did it already, A. And B. <laughs> and B. sifo didn't turn to the dark side, did he? No. And and, and sifo didn't have a vision that the Jedi were going to lose the war. The Je- sifo had a vision that there was going to be a war. And that the Jedi would need an army. Um, this is true. You know. Uh... It, it's it it just doesn't work for me. I don't I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, it's bad, and if you disagree, oh, just you know, screw you. Um, but like you know, I understand it. I understand that it can work differently for some people. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's one of those points where we just needed like five more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like five more minutes to. But at the same time, I don't feel like it completely detracts because we're like the whole thing about the clone wars is we're not seeing everything like we're just getting snippets we're getting all yeah. these little like partial stories that make up yeah. a bigger fabric yeah and i feel like not knowing what exactly drove krell to do this makes him that much more terrifying because you're just like who else could this happen to yeah like, who else could like experience the same kind of like well this isn't working what and I'd, just decide to like <laughs> what i'd love to see and i agree that we don't need to see everything this jacob and i were making a another point on, on the galaxy episode with boba fett that we were recording a couple weeks ago um i'd love to see this this would increase my appreciation of this arc by like 50 60 percent let's get a comic one comic issue yeah with a past crowd we don't need to see his entire fault we just need to, I want to see what Krell was like when he was younger. So that then we can make some contrasts. What's different? How did Krell, what, what were the buttons that were pushed in Krell that caused him to feel this way? What was always, what was always true about Krell? What was always yeah. true about him? Because for me, it's like, you know, we don't know how much of this Krell planned out. You know what I mean? We don't know how much of this whole, like, clone massacring thing Krell really planned out. Yeah. And so that lessens the impact for me just because it's like... So did Krell know all along he was going to be put in put on Umbara? Did he know all along that the clones were going to be difficult? Did he know all along that this was going to be the battle where he finally makes his turn? How how long ago was this vision? How long ago did he start making these plans? Um, maybe Admiral Holdo can tell me, since she's obviously <laughs> so good at that. Um, no, when I, that's just an in-joke I make. When anyone have, has a plan, I just go, Admiral Holdo, what, what, what's going on here? Um, also, uh, to the validity of said vision. Like, was it actually a vision? Or was it Palpatine being like, this guy's next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Move this one on the chessboard. <laughs> I can just now imagine Palpatine just like it's like the um stuff with the Night Sisters in the um in Massacre that episode of Massacre, which we actually haven't gotten to, but 
when you know when Calvin places the doll of do- the voodoo doll of Dooku yes. into the pot. I can just, imagine those um, mannequins on like an assembly line. It's just like this one's gonna get a vision. This, one. <laughs> this one's gonna get a vision. This one's gonna get a. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got visions lined yeah, up. Yeah, just cranking out. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome back to, to your boy Papa Palpatine's vision factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Oh boy. I think that in terms of the vision, I think something that we learn about Krell through this is that he is fundamentally fearful in how he interacts with the world. Yeah. And that's what differentiates him many in many ways it's the root of what differentiates him from the clones where it, it, rather than trying to redouble his loyalty to the jedi or or talk to yoda he has this vision he's like well i'm jumping ship i'm gonna the republic's gonna collapse and i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna go and i'm gonna hang out with dooku little does he know that the separatists are also gonna gonna fall apart like i don't think he clearly he doesn't understand what's what's really at play here yeah, it's, like, it's again, interesting. Though again, like nobody does. It's like Maul in yeah. Phantom Apprentice later in the Clone Wars. Okay, yeah, that's true. Maul has that vision. Um, Maul's vision, of course, is stuff's missing. Always in motion in the future is the future. Um, how much do we have in influencing these visions? You know, yeah. with um, Anakin in specific, you know. Anakin is the reason that his visions come true. Self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. boy. <laughs> that, that is, that is. Um, I like that you brought up, you know, this idea of, like, loyalty versus loss in terms of, like, loyalty is only up until one's personal, like, hurt or risk of hurt. Because one of the notes that I wrote down was that, like, the loyalty that clones have to the Republic completely supersedes their own self-preservation. Like, they have no point, except for cut, (laughs) where they're kind of like, okay, this is too far, and I'm not obeying the order. There are, there's plenty of talk in this arc of, like, this is too far, it's unacceptable, I can't believe he's doing this, but the boys still march. Like, they still go out and they do it. Um... And I, I thought it was interesting because uh, at one point when Rex and Fives go off to kind of like argue and Rex is like, I really need you to help me get the boys to listen. You hear the clones in the background complaining and one of them says it's going to be a meat grinder down there. Yeah. And that, that says to me that like the clones have a vernacular for this. Like yeah. this isn't new like going into these like bloodbath situations the fact that they've developed their own like specific linguistic reference for that kind of situation but they're still doing it anyway like they're not like okay we're not going to do it let's go tell them we're not going to do it they're like oh it's going to be a meat grinder guess i'll just go in <laughs> yeah that so, is what is for the people who control the clones both i think that's what's both great about the clones in a morbid way, and also what's horrible about the clones is that they will do whatever they have to. They will do whatever it takes. Yeah. There's a line from Attack of the Clones when Lama Su's describing the clones to Obi-Wan. They're totally obedient, obeying mm-hmm. every order without question, I think, is the line. Um, 
it comes back to what Krell says, which is not completely false, by the way. They are designed. They are built a certain way. Mm-hmm. Now, does yeah. that way always work out for them? Does that way always work out for the Republic? Does that way always like work 100% of the time? No. But it, does it still, like, are they still built that way? Yes. Yeah. And I think that, too, also kind of reflects, again, that, like, spectrum in terms of, like, clone agency. Because even those who are protesting like there's rex who's kind of like "Mm, okay but we're gonna do it and fives who's like no we really shouldn't do this but like even then you're seeing that undercurrent of like no matter how angry they are instead of being like no we're not going to they're just trying to find different solutions so that loyalty is so like intensely and perfectly drilled and i would almost say brainwashed into them that there's no other option like, no matter how upset they are, they're still going to do it. I also want to point out a couple smaller things. Um, when they're infiltrating, when Fives and Hardcase are infiltrating the um, the uh, Umbaran airbase, if, if Battlefront 2 is still uh, having live service, can we get that as a map, please? Please. Uh, I want to play that. Um, yes. Ba- hey, EA, Battlefront 3, thank you. Um, <laughs> just Umbara. Just give us all of like. Give just us give Umbara. us Clone Wars planets. Give me a oh, oh my gosh. Also, I want to play on gosh darn Exegol, please. It's my favorite Ooh. Star Wars planet. Give me Exegol. I want it. <laughs> you, you had an entire Rise of Skywalker content drop. You gave us AJ and freaking Cloth where there was never a, an entire <laughs> battle in the entire movie. Be quiet about your Rise of Skywalker content. It was bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. That would be so amazing, I think, and now with more and more modding. Yeah. I think Please. it would be amazing one day to see like a crowd some kind of a crowdfunded Umbara map project. Or even on the original Battlefront too, and then you don't have to you don't have to make so many like high fidelity textures and whatnot. That would be Oh my god. I'm sure there's an OG Battlefront 2 Umbara map. I can't imagine how there is. The modding community for that game has gone like off the rails. I would um, also really like Anaxis. Because like all of the oh, yeah. like, all the glass that's apparently there, like the entire it just makes me think my yeah. wife has been playing Final Fantasy, the remake, the seventh remake. Yeah. And like watching Cloud crash into stuff and generally destroy his entire environment just by existing. Like that would be me on an axis, like running a clone trooper through a bunch of glass. On that same <laughs> token, if we're talking bad batch, Skago Minor. Yeah. Yes. There's so many opportunities. There's so many good ones. Um or, or this could be done really easily via, via modding for the new one. Season 7. Give us Clone Wars Martez Sisters Arc era Kessel. Thank you. Ooh, that would be fun. We, we have a one quarter portion segment coming up, which is like a top five thing. I've mm-hmm. seen now my biggest mistake for prepping for this episode is not doing top five maps you'd love to see in a Star Wars Battlefront game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring back um, ground-to-air combat and let us fly in an Umbaran starfighter on Umbara. Thank you. I also would like to get a low-hanging fruit in here. We've not mentioned a lot of low-hanging fruits. Let's talk about... I prefer a good fight to all the sneaking around, which is said by Fives in the general, and is also said by Han in A New Hope. Really? We'll also touch on this um, later, but the entire sequence when they're testing the Umbaran starfighter is ripped directly from A New Hope on the Death Star. 
everything's fine, fine here. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're fine here. How are, How are you? you? <laughs> Who is this? What's your operating How number? You? Who is this? What's your CT number? Yeah. yeah. Uh, negative. Negative. We I have literally a, um, watched it yesterday. <laughs> um, a reactor leak. Um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of annoyed me at first when I was watching during that scene when they were like, and 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 you just noticed how bad the clones were about lying. They're like, uh, everything's yeah. fine. Uh, but then I realized they're bred to be that way. Yeah. Like, even telling a lie to a general is a straight-up, like, breaking of their programming. And it is programming. I mean, we see it when they, when Obi-Wan is on Kamino. All of those young clones sitting at row after row after row after row of just, like, a computer, basically, with the headset on, staring blankly. Those kids don't even look up when they walk by. So, like, there's obviously this element of just, like, brain rewiring. So, you know, like, to lie to a general is something that seems so wrong and <laughs> they can't do it right. If the Kaminoans yeah. saw that, they would not be appalled because the clone that they like they would be upset at the clones. They would be appalled at themselves because yeah. they would be like, What did we do wrong here? Um uh, how did we program wrong here? Um, yeah. It would be it would be a matter of like how okay, we did something wrong, how do we fix the system? And then they would just toss the clone in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, yeah. Um again, if we're talking about ignorance, Krell is super ignorant in that we get a whole sequence in this episode that I absolutely love of, of Fives and Hardcase, two of my favorite clones, working together, kind of bickering, bantering, but doing what they gotta do. And that whole sequence when they're just showing a ton of courage, creativity, initiative, it's everything that Krell thinks the clones can't do and mm-hmm. that ends up becoming his downfall like he just he's just too arrogant he just can't fathom it's the it's a that a creature that a creature grown in a vat could possibly could could possibly outsmart him it's reverse yeah. clone cadets it's the clones work together as a unit to succeed as a group and instead of in clone cadets that being their ticket out of there it's punished yeah yeah. I feel like that almost could loop back again to our fortune cookie. You know, the path of ignorance is guided by fear. I feel like maybe there's this note in Krell where, you know, recognizing that these are beings, like you said, grown in a vat. Could they really be smarter than him? And like, there's a part of him that's like, if I just let them be unique individuals, like, what will they do to me? <laughs> and oh, I feel yeah. like that there's kind of like this link, you know, I would almost, I want to say like, we, I'm not afraid of artificial intelligence, but I know plenty of people who are. So there's that kind of like, this isn't a natural living being. What is it actually capable of? So Krell kind of looking at the clones like that, maybe, and just being like, well, I need to control them perfectly. I'll dehumanize them. I'll make sure they don't have room to rest. They don't have room to eat, that they're always like, at a disadvantage when I am in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think part of Krell, I mean, all of Krell. Yeah, because, like, there's a line in Planet Descent, jumping a little head. I do think his desire for victory has blinded him to the fact that there are lives at stake. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that'd be true if he considered you living. Yeah. And I, do, I really think Krell does not. 
No, like, he, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. He's more droids. They just happen yeah. to have skin. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's why I want to see a Separatist General Pong Krill. Hot take here. Um, um, I view Krill's death the way I view Ben Solo's death. Would it be cool to see an alive Ben Solo? Yes. I think it'd be cool to see, like, a, like who survived on Exegol. Mm-hmm. Do I think it was necessary to kill Ben Solo and the rest of Skywalker? Yeah, I do. Um, do I think it was necessary to kill Krell here? Yes, I, I do think it was necessary to kill Krell here. Would I have killed to see a separate general upon Krell? I would have, yeah. Yeah, there's that line between like what you would love to see and what you know is best for the story. <laughs> I think a little trivia in this episode, you know, we get Sergeant Oppo, obviously, maybe those who don't know, a reference to Oppa from yeah. Avatar The Last Avatar, Airbender. Last I've been getting into that show recently. I haven't yeah. completed the first season yet, so no spoilers, but I'm no getting spoilers. close. And man, is it good. I can't believe I've missed out on that for for so long. Yeah. I'm so excited. I, I, I would also like to shout out um, Plan of Descent before we get fully into it. Plan of Descent, bravo for using one of the worst parts of The Phantom Menace in, a key, in, in an integral part of your plot. I love The Phantom Menace. But Anakin destroying that droid control ship is one of my least favorite parts of that movie, and they have to use it. They have to. General Skywalker blew up a droid control ship when he was just a kid. Okay, try not to mention how your leading general was such a Mary Sue when he was nine years old. Please, thank you. Thank you. I do have to say, though, like, I love the thought of Anakin sitting around a campfire with his clones, like, well, when I was nine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love the Phantom Menace. I love that movie. I hate that part of that movie. The crazy thing is that the type of ship that the the clones destroy in this episode was originally intended to be a Lucre Hulk class uh, Trade Federation ship, the same as the one Anakin destroyed, but they changed it because they they wanted to differentiate. They wanted to differentiate and show that the Trade Federation wasn't fully on the Separatist side until Revenge of the Sith. So I mean, it could have been it could have been even closer, yeah. Say wait, that reasoning doesn't make sense. I know, I know, but uh, okay. that, that's what it is. That's, that's what Star, Wars, Star that's what StarWars.com says. So Jacob, Jacob pulls wrong, up but... the StarWars.com episode guide. I'd also like to point out another Easter egg while we're here. Um, they're operating in Hegart Nine Four, which is the name of the dock, which is also the number of the docking bay that the Millennium Falcon is parked in in uh, New Hope. There's one more that I'm sure you know. In Carnage of Krell, when they um, confront Krell and decide to um, arrest him, Krell says a certain line. It's treason, then. (laughs) If you don't know where that reference comes from, I'd like you to leave right now. (laughs) All good, I know. (laughs) I'm 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 talking to the listeners. I know you know. I'm sure you know. Just, just, just I, I, I actually literally wrote in my notes. If you don't know where, where this, that's from, I'm sorry, we can't be friends. Like that, I literally wrote that down. I'm like, <laughs> just, just out of here, out of here. Um, yeah. yeah. Plan of descent. The wise man leads, the strong man falls. I have no idea what this portrait is about, so I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. My immediate thought is about obviously like fives and wrecks. And we've talked about it a couple of times so far about how there's this difference in their approach, Um, especially with Rex, you know, being a clone captain who has grown into like a more, I keep wanting to say diverse, but 
um, intellectually aware club. Rounded. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and then fives who, you know, as an ARC trooper, they receive training that specifically encourages them to be more individualistic, to be more dynamic and creative in their thinking. And, um, you know, I think this is kind of referring to maybe the unexpected character has the right point of view in that, you know, Fives is the one who is constantly telling Rex, like, you need to push back. You need to do something. You need to disobey this order. And he's saying it from the perspective of, like, for our brothers. Like, yeah. you need to actually do something. And Rex is like, I, I can't. Like, he feels yeah. almost trapped by it. So yeah. if, we, if we're looking at, like, the symbolism here that I'm looking at, Fives is the angel on Re Rex's shoulder and Dogma is the devil on Rex's shoulder. Which Five I think is really interesting with his name being Dogma. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. Going to, yeah. <laughs> um, Dogma keeps Rex from doing anything, but Fives keeps Rex from feeling okay about himself. Yes. When yeah. he does not do anything. Yes. Um, like, I feel like there's that reminder, like Fives is almost serving as a reminder to Rex, like, you're not this, not anymore. Like, what yeah. Dogma is, you have grown out of that. And yeah. you need to, like, keep growing. Yeah, what Dogma is, you've grown out of that. How you went through an episode called The Deserter, which is the last time I mentioned this in this episode. <laughs> and by the way, that is... <laughs> yeah, I must say, this is the last time I mentioned that in this episode. And I'm totally saying that's not the last time I'm mentioning this episode. 100% <laughs> not. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah. Um... I will say this episode, I believe, is the source for one of my most commonly used gifts. The hard case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the hard case. The hard case. The wiggle. That's all. That's such a I have no idea and what you're talking about, but okay. So There's a gift where one, he, he, is, he is. Yeah, like at one point he's, he's like, we'll take the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And That's, I also love, let me just flash back to the whole fives talking about the worst part of Phantom Menace. When Fives does that, the binary sunset theme plays, which is, by the way, too unfair. You're talking about one of my least favorite parts of a Star Wars movie, and you're playing the theme that is most frequently gets me to cry. That is not fair. Thank you, Kevin Tyner. Get out of here. Sorry. Done. It's like they knew when they're like, okay, we gotta use really important music. This, this, this wow, happens Eli much. will not believe us at this all. Is, this happens too much in, in the Clone Wars. They do something unforgivable to me, and then they play like Binary Sunset. I'm like... Yeah, and you're just like, oh my gosh. No, I have to. You have to. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. do this, don't you? It, it's it's pretty wild um, watching how, how Krell kind of makes everything seem like it's the clone's fault. Like he, he says, lock down those fighters. I don't want excuses. I, I think I, I remember at one point when the clones, maybe they want rest, but he says, there'll be time for celebration later. And he, he's always just kind of shifting the, the blame. It's so subtle, but it's so, it's so infuriating. It's, and it's, it's done nuts. in such a way that I feel like he's trying to make the clones question themselves. Yeah, that, like, I they're that. like, oh, are we really acting that way? Okay, we won't do that anymore. Yeah, and it yeah. plays specifically to clones like Dogma, which I feel it's actually the majority of the troopers. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, like at this point, most of them are just, they're shiny, like Tup. Yeah. And we see that influence with Tup, too. Like, so, hmm, I have mixed feelings about Dogma. 
<laughs> he yeah. fascinates me. But I feel like he preys on Tup a little bit with Tup being so young, so inexperienced. There's that whole scene of him like, we have to tell the general. Don't you realize that? Like, we have to do this. Yeah, and yeah. Tup is kind of like, That's okay, probably- yeah, I guess you're right. And he puts the and he, I think is that the scene when they're the, when he, when they wake up and they're they were asleep. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I I think it's he put and it, he puts the emphasis on we have to tell the general to like he's so yeah sneaky about the way he does it and and oh my gosh that yeah that's just really well done. Yeah. But also I think something that Krell does really well is he makes the clones <laughs> doubt each other. Yeah. And so they don't want to stand up because like like Dogma they don't know who. Is, is going to put a stop to it. They don't know who's going to be the one to to rat them out during this yeah. plan of descent. I don't know who's going to be the snitch. Yeah. <laughs> My thing about Krell, again, I agree with everything you're saying, both of you. Um, I have a little gripe with, with Krell in this. This is one of, I think this is my last real huge gripe with this arc. I think they plant that Krell's a bad guy a little too well. I think there's a few too many clues. It feels to me like, you know, there there are different ways of doing a twist. This feels like it. This doesn't feel like an, oh, wow, really? It's like, we've done four episodes of this. He's evil? Yeah, duh, he's evil. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't taken away something by this arc at the end, it's it, like, you know, it's that he's evil. It yeah. it feels to me that like they almost plant the seeds too well. I unless, feel- unless I will say there is an argument I think that m- one of you might make, which I think is a valid argument, which is that yes, we know he's bad, but we don't know that he's that bad. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe I feel like maybe there was this effort for an element of the clones not realizing precisely how bad he is and maybe we're supposed to sympathize with that so like the clones obviously realize he's not great like he's going to ruin a lot of things for us and for most of us that means we die um but i feel like there's that element where the clones don't know about the dark side like they don't know about the sith so I, I do agree it could have been done better or it could have been like it, less like the veneer <laughs> like yeah. you're supposed to be like ooh is he and instead of just owning it like he is a bad guy yeah uh, if we got a hint or two in one of the episodes like if we got a specific thing like Krell like doing a like Krell on a hologram with an Umbaran or yeah. maniacally laughing to himself or like just like a little a, something. Attempting to actually contact Dooku. Yes. Like some little thing. I could something see that. Like, something like that. It's a little thing like that that'll be like, oh, so he is actually the bad guy. And now it's not a... Krell is really weird. Why is he doing really all of this? Weird, won't we? Yeah. yeah. But, um, it, it is a... Krell is a bad guy. How long is it going to take the clones to realize that? Yeah. Um, it's a ticking clock thing. Yeah. Where it's like, either Krell, either the clones are going to realize it, or Krell's going to destroy them all. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mm. it works if you know that ahead of time. But, yeah. you know, thinking about watching it for the first time, you know. We needed to find the clock. 
Instead, right yeah. now, all we have is a ticking noise happening in the other room, and we don't know what's up. Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so should we talk about the hard case sacrifice? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Such grit. Such grit. I understand why Jacob loves this so much. Such grit. Honestly, yeah. Like, hard case, he's in what? So he's in this arc, and then he's in the deserter. And, like, that's it, right? Yeah, he really... Need to check now. Let's just check. Um, And, like, but he has such an impact. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, Yeah, but he he dies a hero. That's what he does. He does. He does. Um, He absolutely does. And there's a lot of similarities between, like, his his death and Heavy's. Oh, Um, yeah. Where, like, Heavy straight up is just like i don't about like taking prisoners and yeah. then hard case is making a very similar sacrifice yeah wow you were like, on it by yeah. the way wow that's impressive i um, love hard, hard case, case appears in, <laughs> hard, hard case appears in four episodes and there are the first three of umbara and the deserter nice yep. job <laughs> very very nicely done um wait he appears in the deserter he yeah do- he what? does He's actually oh, yeah. there during the like the entire bit with Cut. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, isn't, isn't the deserter so great? It features Hardcase in the star. Yeah, and all. it's like you know one yeah. of the best episodes, if not the best episode. I'm just, I do. Love I'm just, it. I'm just riffing about it's that episode, which just <laughs> like holy. If there was any indication, I'm just gonna say this: if there was any indication that Dave Filoni was gonna be one of the great Star Wars storytellers, it is the deserter. That's my pitch. Um, I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he later proves it on and on anywhere, but like everywhere. But if there's any indication, uh, yeah. yeah. I also, by the way, let's let's point out something. Hardcase dies on the on on the uh, mission to hijack the supply ship, right? Mm-hmm. So, out of the three clones that went, two survived. That is a 66.67% survival rate, which is probably still a higher survival rate than Krell has. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> probably. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, as, as the, I think the clones have been talking about, as, as uh, Fives has been talking about these epi- in these episodes, Krell is just throwing away the clone lives. They're not... Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it's not necessarily a worthy sacrifice. Yeah. It's hard to ever call something a worthy sacrifice, I think, if you're ordering other people to walk into their certain death. But there's something about the, the way that Krell does it that just makes it all the, all the worse. Yeah, it feels like Krell has this mentality of, like, just keep throwing stuff at it until it falls down. And yeah. it's however many clones it takes until, like, there's a dent in the armor. Like, he doesn't care about the number of lives that are, atta- like, attached to that success yeah. as long as it happens. Speaking of Krell's um, trying to make a dent in the enemy, if I ever hear the word, uh, the phrase, full forward assault as much as I hear it in Umbara, I'm going to throw something. <laughs> that, this arc has legitimately made me hate that phrase. It doesn't feel like real words anymore. It, it, you know, it's just like... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm like I, I, he just goes, full forward assault! I'm like, uh, again? <laughs> oh, man. 
<sighs> uh, yeah. Uh, should we go to Carnage of Krell? Mm. Let's talk about how the clones getting stuff done and achieving the results that Krell wanted was an act of insubordination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I also want to point out um, something I love in both these episodes in Plan Descent and Carnage of Krell. Rex taking back charge. One of the best insecurities that Krell exploits is Rex's about being a leader. Because Rel- because Rex doesn't get to do that much in this arc. Because Krell's kind of doing the bulk of it for him. But when Dogma and Tup go to confront Krell, he gets like to he gets a stand for a moment. He gets rem- going back to this film for a second, Last Jedi, and its predecessor in this case, Force Awakens. I'm in charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge. Rex's standing firm to Dogma felt like an I'm in charge moment to me. It also mm-hmm. has that very commanding thing of the whole, um, the it's whole. Captain. It's Captain, yeah. Um, yep. I was gonna go with, um, you know, you were always scum. Yeah. Rebel, Rebel scum. scum. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It reminds me of that quite a bit from Last Jedi, um, yep. and I appreciated uh, that. Okay, seriously, this time. Now should we go on to Carnage of Krell? <laughs> Sorry, to the interesting one. Um, okay. <laughs> our actions define our legacy. This is one of those really nice kind of like blanket fortune cookies. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, yeah, I think so that... um cover everything. It, yeah. it is a bit... It, it is a bit of a... A truism, but also I think that um, Krell it, it kind of is trying to say, you know, put your money where your mouth is. At the end of the day, like you may know what you stand for, or you may feel what, that you stand for something, but unless you actually put that into action, no one else is going to know that, and your legacy is going to be entirely different from what you imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really about Rex, with him ultimately having to make the tough decision. Yeah. Oh, to, for me, it's um, about to to disobey Krell in the beginning of the episode with the firing squad, oh, but it could it could also be about later in the episode. So. I was gonna go with Dogma about Do- Dogma has been supporting Krell this entire arc, but his actions aren't gonna tell you about that. His actions are killing Krell, are snuffing that insert mean word out of the galaxy. You know. Um, yeah, and I feel like that too kind of opens up this idea of legacy isn't always a good thing um because like what if you think about it you know considering the place that clones have in the galaxy considering how people treat and talk about clones there's going to be those people who are like yeah that's that clone who killed a general and then there's going to be those clones who say yeah dogma took out the general that was killing us. So there's those like facets of what a legacy actually is. But I do agree with you. This feels very poignant for Dogma um, in terms of though his behavior up until this point has been very much like in line with the Republic, in line with regulations, in line with orders. Um, but like that last behavior is what Dogma ends up becoming kind of known for. Yeah. yeah. Um, this whole stuff with Krell and the clones reminds me of a line from, um, I think it's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter is something I bring up a lot because it's a 
it's one of the only other fandom that I'm into besides Star Wars. Um, uh, if you want to take the measure of a man, uh, notice how he treats his inferiors and rather than his equals. Uh, Sirius Black says that to Harry in Goblet of Fire. Um, you know, we see how Krell treats his inferiors. Um, and that is the ultimate measure of Krell in this arc. Um, and, um, you know, um, Anakin, at least for now, until Anakin kind of goes off the, the dark side end, um, dark side. values his clones as individuals and uh, as soldiers. And that is the ultimate measure of Anakin. Um, you know, uh, Krell is whole idea, you know, that song, Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah. Um, you're just another cog in the machine. Um, or as some Star Wars movie that I'm not going to mention says, they win by making you feel like you're alone. Seeing all the different, like, legitimate tortures that, that Krell puts the clones through. I mean, the firing squad alone is absolutely horrifying. Like, just seeing all of these clones, and, and just thinking about, like, who is in that lineup. Because I know, obviously, like, Dogma's there, Rex is there. But then they have kicks in the lineup for the firing oh. squad. Tup is in the lineup for the firing squad. And then yeah. I think there's, I think Oppo's there, too, maybe. And then, like, one unnamed. But, like, again, going back to, like, my match pairs. Kix and Jesse, they are always together. Like, they're always, like, doing missions together. They're always, like, Whoa. chilling in the background together. And you have Jesse against the wall and kicks in the lineup to fire on him. And then you yeah. have Cup, who is a literal, you know, they're all children. But, you know, like, he's a, this is his first mission. And he's being put on a firing squad for his superior officer and an ARC trooper. So there's that, that additional element of, like, if Horror. these guys could go here and, like, yeah, and horror. Like, if like this could be me, or this should be me. Like, does it yeah. matter who is actually up against the wall, or does Krell just want us to hurt each other? And then he proves that with that absolutely horrific throwing the 501st against the 212th with the lie of it being Umbaran's and clone armor. Yeah, that that moment is my favorite. That scene is my favorite scene of this entire yeah. arc. I feel it like is. it makes the arc. It makes the arc better for me, let me tell you. <laughs> um, it makes the arc not completely useless for me. Uh, we are firing on our own men is one of yeah. the most shocking and horrible. Yeah. It is a better twist than Krell Darkseid. Agreed. Um, even agree. though it is planted, it is hidden in plain sight for us. Yeah. Like, he, Krell literally says they might be dressed up as clones. Yeah. And I, I like knew that, that they, I knew that they were clones, and it was still. I've watched this arc now for my rewatch and for my and for in a galaxy twice now. And I had this so news through the first two episodes, but I got to this. It is. It is yeah. a, it one of those jolting moments. Yeah, yeah, so and jolting. Like, it's it's the thing where you, you can see where you should have realized because, like, when you see the Umbarans, um their suits have a gas in them. So, like, how could they wear clone armor? 
Um, like, I actually have an answer. Oh, really? An answer for that one. This is something Jacob brought up in a previous episode, f- foreshadowing this episode. Those that gas is not actually breathing related. Oh. Is Jacob, it like the- I know you don't be- still don't believe me on this one. It's not breathing related. It's combat related. So you think it's like a performance enhancing oh, type I, of thing? Yes, it is. It is meant to amp up their reflexes and like just overall stamina. I could mm. see that. I mean, especially with there being other Umbarans like the senator, like Palpatine's yeah. aide, who don't wear those helmets. Yeah, and notice yeah. by the way, um, you know, like it's a small detail when the when the Umbaran's helmet is shoot off, shot off. He's not gasping for air. I That's mean, he true. might be. He might be a little bit because the He's gas weird. that is keeping him energized is now fading and maybe it like fades from his body a little bit, but he's not actually gasping for air because it's not air. That's fair. So, um, That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will also say, um, yeah. Um, here, here's some, here's some, you know, we, we all know how much I love the poetry and the rhymes and the stuff. Yeah. Here's some, here's some crazy stuff. When Rex and the clones march up to the um, uh, march up to the uh, base to take out Krell, mm-hmm. the first image that immediately popped up is replace Rex with Anakin, and you got the Jedi Temple right there. Yeah. Yeah. And are we ready for some inverses? Good clones versus bad Jedi. Revenge of the Sith, bad clones versus good Jedi. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's, it's, the Revenge of the Sith parallels with this arc are chilling. These, this arc for me is where we start to get from the Attack of the Clones Clone Wars to, to Revenge, Revenge of, of the Sith Clone Wars. Yeah. It is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And just oh my gosh, did this whole episode. I don't even know what to Ooh, it's, say. It's that a, isn't already it's, apparent, but it's it's mind boggling, especially yeah. the the first part with oh whack. It had to be waxer. Waxer oh. man, waxer. Oh, oh it hurts I've me. Ever since I first watched the um the Ryloth episodes, all the years ago at this point, I, I just I was like I love waxer. Waxer is my boy. <laughs> And he even he even had a draw. He even had a cartoon of Numa on his helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's man. Just, oh my gosh. And then this episode was just like, ha. Yeah. Psych yeah. is gone. You thought. I know. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, I was looking at our bracket that we did for the Clone Wars episodes. I'm like, I want to see where, um, Car- how well Carnage of Krell did because I feel like we did it dirty. We did not do it dirty. It survived three yeah. rounds. And it lost to the lawless. Never mind. Um, the lawless. Yeah. If, if there's ever an episode for Carnage of Krell to lose to, Big Sad lost to even bigger Sad. Um, <laughs> so yes. um, that, that is. That is. Though true. I think I did vote for vote against it in the first bracket. So. <laughs> Whoops. I, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I think I, I think uh, I was championing uh, championing. Yeah, you were defending that. Um, that I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah um yeah um yeah and um yeah that's a lot of my notes i'm just gonna again reiterate um 
this arc, it's not bad. I don't dislike it. There's there there are some arcs that like you know there there are some stories in Star Wars that are like there are two meters for me. Like there's like the how good it is and how much you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Those are two separate barometers. Yeah. There's stuff that you that there's stuff that you like, but you don't think it's very good. There's stuff that you there there's stuff that you like and think is very good. And then there's the rare one that stuff you think is very good but don't like that much. A bar is in that third category where it's like there's some good stuff in there. I just don't enjoy watching it. Which is you know, fair. not all Star Wars is for everyone. Yeah. I'm I have an interesting taste. I'm like, you know, I, I, I literally wrote in my notes, um I'm completely fine letting others enjoy their Revenge of the Siths and their Umbaras and their Rogue One. I'll just be over here with my deserters and my Rise of Skywalkers and my Martez sister arcs and my resistances just just chilling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, so. we all have, like, our specific arcs that really speak to us. Like, Umbara yeah. has always held a special place in my heart. And, you know, you guys know it's because clones are my thing. I love yeah. clones. But, like, I don't like droids. So, like, there's that whole arc where they run into Gregor. I literally only watch the Gregor episode. <laughs> like, I don't watch anything I, surrounding I, it. I actually will admit to you, I wa- I, that's, that's a weird arc for me because I've watched the first episode of that arc, like, six times. Hmm. After the first episode of that arc, I'm like, okay, that's good. I don't really feel any needed reason to watch the second, third, or fourth of that arc. Um, if I can admit, make make a confession, um, I actually first met Gregor in Rebels because I had skipped that arc for so long in watching the Clone Wars that I never met him. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I spent the even... longest time being like, "Who the heck is this guy?" Wait, so, wait, so did you did you did you get like did, were you not able to get through it, or did you just not even try? I wasn't able to get through it. <laughs> actually, I'm oh I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest. Well, look, with you, you know yourself. The Gregor, the Gregor episode of the the Joy's arc, really that second half of the Joy's arc. I'm not sure I've watched any of those episodes all the way through. So, um, yeah. to be completely honest with you, um, there are there episodes are just that some episodes that you yeah yeah. yeah. And for for me, like one of those uber specialization arcs for me that nobody talks about this arc and everybody should. We're covering it on one of our other pre-records that we're going to do in a couple days. Um, Mon Calamari. That arc is genius. That arc is genius. Nobody talks about it. It's great. It is quite possibly my favorite arc in that season. Wow. Um, Also season four, no? Yeah, it is also season four. Wow. Yeah, I will will take Mon Cala over Umbara. I'll take it over (laughs) um, Night Sisters. I'll take it over everything. I will take it over everything in that season. Maybe not Bounty Hunters. The Bounty Hunters one is the only one I might w- be willing to budge on. But even that one, it only gets good in the third episode hot take. But okay. Um, <laughs> Just full of hot takes. Yeah. I, <laughs> Me over here if, like, if, I, have, if, I have two if, clones if, I don't like. <laughs> if, 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 Andrew w- if Andrew from Outer Rim Reads was here, he would t- be talking about the takes that are hotter than his coffee right now. <laughs> um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, anything else about Carnage of Krell before we get to everyone's favorite part of Star Wars and the Galaxy? <laughs> Man, good. I just... Oh, this uh, this episode is so good, you know? Yeah. Krell's even... I feel like we've even skipped over just some of the, the whole chase scene, but there's just, there's just so many amazing moments, and I've kind of held back from talking about it because I know Eli at least doesn't share 
my love for it, but I just feel like the battle scenes in I'm this right here. I'm go, right here. Go. are just go. We did this with Genosis. They, I was fine. And it's yeah. not even the battle scenes, just the little moments, the music, the little mu the musical cues they yeah. put in there, just the like like that moment when the clones all file in and they're they're surrounding Krell and then he yes. slowly turns around. That is just like that is heart stopping. Like yeah. And like, oh, there's just so there's so many of those little moments I could probably yeah. spend another hour if I were to listen. <laughs> Honestly, all. like oh, there yeah. were a bunch of little moments that I like wrote in my notes. Like, um, Kicks, I've, I've mentioned him a couple of times. He's one of my favorite clones. I absolutely love this boy, and like, I love that we get through this arc. Kicks is kind of our viewpoint for the emotional trauma that Ambara is putting on the clones. Because you see that scene of him um, go off on those Umbara monsters for yeah. creatures, whatever, for eating a dead clone trooper. And he just like takes off firing and you're like, oh, wait, that's a clone medic. And then later on, you see him literally just like firing blind. And Rex has to be like, kicks, kicks, kicks. You have to stop. Like you're wasting ammo. And so I feel wait. like... What? They're, he's wasting ammo. Everyone seems to have unlimited ammo in this. Arc. I know, like, <laughs> I know in I mean, every arc, but this arc specifically, granted, I couldn't help granted. but notice. Probably because I was so bored in the first episode. But like, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody had so much ammo. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, like they use kicks to kind of show us like how much the clones are not just like physically suffering under Krell's. I want to say control of them. But it's doing like legitimate emotional and psychological damage to them by making them break their own protocols and break their own, you know, like designations. Kix is a medic. His job is to go in and like rescue the troopers that are still alive that can be made functional again. And he's firing pot shots <laughs> to yeah. try and like save now dead I'm, bodies. <laughs> now you're now you're talking about emotional trauma and now you know the the score piece, the Williams piece, Anakin's Dark Deeds from Revenge of the Sith. Slap that bad boy over Carnage and Krell. I want to see it. Oh my god. I might yeah. make an edit. I might make an edit. I mean... Please do. <laughs> and, and, oh my gosh. Krell's, even after when 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 they've captured him and, and when Rex comes in, he's like, turn around against the wall on your knees. Yeah. I'm gonna kill you now. Just his little eye roll and then everything he does, he... He still thinks that the clones are not going to be able to kill him. And he's right about Rex. I don't he think is. Rex Rex was not willing to do that. And it ended up... Yeah. It ended up being... Dogma. Blanking man. Yeah, Dogma. In, uh, by the way, did anyone else want to hear that completion of Krell's sentence? I was... Eventually, yeah, eventually, he'll just have to do the right thing and boom. I mean, I think that just... What was I mean, he going to say? It's a I'm perfect ending, curious. though, if you think about how yeah. was that the right thing to do? That's yeah. a whole other that's a whole I also want to know the fate of Dogma, happens. too. I hope he doesn't get jailed by the Republic for that. He disappears. We never yeah. see him Yeah, again. he disappears. I wonder if Wait, he just... Dave, what are you doing? Why are you making characters disappear? <laughs> first it's first it's Dogma, now it's Barris. What, what's going on, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Playing the long game. Yeah. Ten years from now, we're gonna get a dogma comic. So there's gonna be something cooked up. Six years from now, we're gonna finally find out what the heck happens to Barris. <laughs> Watch. Twenty years from now, we're gonna finally find out if Ahsoka was dead or alive in the Rise of Skywalker. Oh my gosh. Oh god. 
And of course, of course, the inevitable. Fifty years from now, we're going to finally get that goddamn Rebel sequel series. Uh, oh, please, uh, please. I, need I need it in my life. I Give need me. it. We deserve this. There's a <laughs> yeah. there is a Rebels shaped hole in my heart. Yes. Still. Yes. Like please. <laughs> Like I would lit, I, I would give anything for like give me three episodes of Jason Sandula and Poe Dameron arguing about who has a cooler mom. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> Please, I need that energy right now. Yeah, I mean. And by the way, in my arrogance and not arrogance, but in my confusion, I almost thought of. Um, I thought you were talking about not Hera and Shara Bay. But Hera and Leia. And I'm like, I, oh, what? <laughs> I said, wasn't I though? <laughs> but no, like Poe has two oh. awesome moms. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, um, I'm like, but wait, I just made another good point there. Um yeah. Um Yeah. Um yeah, okay. I think it's time to get to everyone's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy. Here we go. Also, by the way, speaking of Rebels ending. If there is ever a gift to be made out of anything said in, in a galaxy, and luckily it was said on the live stream, I'm going to make this into a gift, and I'm going to post it on Twitter as soon as I get the chance. It is a Jacob moment. It is maybe my favorite Jacob moment in the history of the show. Uh-oh. You know what I'm talking about. I, I do know exactly what you're talking about. But who wants Rebels to end? <laughs> yeah. Just live Go back it. to I, our live stream. I'm advocating for... It is... It is one of my favorite moments I've, things I've ever seen Jacob do. It was the best thing. I, it was so good. I even used it in one of my later arguments. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. From now, on, I'm just gonna advocate for full, uh, full reality denial of the fact that Rebels ever ended. Yeah. In my mind, it's just been. It's, really it's just been delayed. Story. It's just been delayed because of the pandemic. It's coming. It'll happen. Yeah. Both of you are going to. Both of you are going to watch in two hours from now. I will have a. Mayday gif. <laughs> B posted it on Twitter. Um, that is that is what is going to happen. Um, Turn on my uh, Twitter alerts now. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, uh, wait, I got I got one, one of my moment. favorite Star Wars characters. Oh, go ahead. Um, it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> one last moment before we go into a one quarter portion. I I just have to add. I think one of the most underrated heartbreaking moments is when rex at the very end just says some i can't remember exactly something along the lines of what was this all for we lost so many good men and why it's time for everyone's favorite part star wars and galaxy what you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion oh eli always eli always goes i've so done this deep, for though. 57 episodes so far <laughs> um great stuff uh, okay, um, so we decided to throw out all pretenses during our pre-recording sessions. We we're going to do the same one quarter portion for every single one of them because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, we're doing a one quarter portion segment that called Quick Rank. Um, so what we have, Jacob and I have two categories each. We're all going to go around. I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much. We're going to give our top five of those categories. Okay. Jacob, do you have your first one? Yes, I do. I have it okay, right go here. Ahead. Uh, Nessa, since you're our guest, uh, you can go first if you want. So, what are your top five Star Wars ships? 
spaceships, not ships. Oh, like, yeah, that's safe. <laughs> too. Maybe that one's more fun. I don't know. Can I do both? I only have one. Yeah, do both. That, that do list both. is going to be very short okay. for me, but okay. So my top five, I'll start with, you know, the physical ships that people fly. <laughs> um, and you'll have to forgive me. I don't actually know that many ships, but um, the ghost is my number one. Um, Millennium Falcon, and then I love Benedict class. I love those Naboo Starfighter and Ahsoka's Starfighter. Yeah, one. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I love the paint job on that one. Okay, yeah, you go. What about I'm your top five? Figuring- ships <laughs> oh and then yeah. my ships ships okay ships. okay oh um number one would probably be canera oh. so Kanan and Hera. um number two boy you gotta that? mention who do i have you mentioned number one but okay <laughs> i only have one ship that i'm into there's Ooh, okay. only one for me so um, hopefully we mention it number two is obatine obi-wan and satine Number okay, three is yeah, <laughs> Annie Dalla. <laughs> okay, and Padme. Um, oh my god, who else do I ship? I'm really bad because I ship like everything. Um, brain is blinking. Number four. I'm going to go ahead and say like, maybe this is a hot take, the whole trio from the sequel. So Ray, Finn, and Poe. Interesting. Maybe something specific going on there i don't know yeah who Sorry, knows? i'm trying to who knows? i'm trying to i'm trying to get you to okay never mind. <laughs> and then han and leia okay that's my five see mine mine for the the romantic ships is completely boring because there's only one it's finpo that's it yeah that's the only one i care about that's totally um, fair. yeah um that and i was so i like again i love rise of skywalker when they didn't do it i was i was so disappointed i'm I like you scared. had every single opportunity honestly um, though they should have just done it yeah um yeah i i like to believe they still have room for it somewhere somewhere um, yeah um top five ships i i'm now i'm just blanking because i'm not because this this jacob designed a top five list for himself um, <laughs> hey you do what you gotta do yeah, do you, man? Uh, yeah so i'm gonna go with i mean i love I actually really love the Umbaran Starfighters. That might make it up there. Um, uh, I love U-Wings. I love, um, going back to Knights of the Old Republic, I love um, the Ebon Hawk. Um, Hot take. Favorite ship is the Malevolence. Mm. So, um, Best ship to be wasted in only three episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, uh, it got, it got. They did it dirty a little bit, you know. It, yep. It was so powerful. Um, or, so majestic. Or I will, I will give an honorable mention because we got to get some Red Skywalker love in here because that's what's been missing from this. Of course, it is because I haven't been mentioning it for this entire episode. <laughs> um, the Ziston class Star Destroyers, which are the Star Destroyers with the Death Star layers on them, they're pretty wow. cool. Wow. Um, uh, so. Um, yeah, I like them. I also love the name for the only one we get, which is the Darafan, which is the one that could destroy Kajim. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome name right there. That is. Um, okay. Uh, I guess, Jake, just I do your next one, maybe. Own? Oh, actually, yeah. yeah. Can I, are, are we answering our yeah. own questions? Yes, I'm yes we, we are answering our own. I, I, just com- okay. I completely forgot about so that. So for the spaceships, number one, the ghost. 
I'm, I'm a Rebels guy. I yeah. love Rebels. Number two, yeah. the Republic gunship, the low-altitude attack transport. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Number three, and Also, what Republic Venator. generals drink? What? I said, um, also, what Republic generals drink? The Lotties. Oh, <laughs> wow, nice. Good one. I, w I was not expecting that. Number four, the Y-Wing. Um, certain people on Twitter have, have brought me into the the ways of the Y-Wing. and Yes. I I'm going like to call it it that all, guy out. In all its many forms. Y you know, I know who he's talking about. The, the, the legal call geeks, one of those. Thomas Harper. Or, there we go. Um, and yeah. uh, number five, the V-22 Torrent Starfighter from uh, oh, yes. the early seasons of the Clone Wars. It's the one with the cockpit and then a vertical wing going down under that and then two horizontal wings coming off at a 45-degree angle. Yes. Uh, I love when Cad Bane steals one. The way the wings fold out, it's it's a really cool ship, and I yeah. wish we would get to see more of it. In terms of actual ships, number one has to be Canera. Number two, oh. also OB Teen. So Nessa and I have the same top two. Number three, <laughs> Han and Leia, classic. Number four, this is this is might be a bit of a hot take, but I think I think Zeb and and Callus would make uh, quite an interesting couple. Um, I, I think on. that uh, hit it home, hit it home. <laughs> Because I what? know we agree on this. I was yeah, I put this and then I put the sequel love triangle for number five. But mo but chiefly among them, I think that Finn and Poe, you know, were they bros? Were were they? Was there a spark there? I don't know. But I think I I think there was. They had potential, and I think they would have been that a, jacket scene. A cute that couple. jacket scene, <laughs> honestly, though, honestly. Like when you play that in slow motion, like. Poe is biting his <laughs> lip so hard. <laughs> That's one of the biggest tropes is like shared clothes. So like for them to throw that in there, yeah. like the jacket thing was so was <laughs> it was so yeah cool. it was so sweet. It was perfect. Okay, um, number one for me. Let's talk about animated performances. Oh wait, actually wait. Jacob was supposed to do his second one, but I'll I guess I'll just yeah. we'll go back. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, jump in. Um animated performances. Stop top five animated performances in Star Wars. Just generally as characters. So you know the um, actors' performance or yeah, the, the character actors. overall? The actors okay. performances. Who's going first? Is it Um You wanna go first? You have your list ready? No. <laughs> okay. Um uh yeah i'm i I'm... i think i have my five i think i could oh go. you do okay go ahead yeah so this is really hard because i have a lot there are, i have a lot of love for all the animated characters this actually isn't in any particular order but first of all i think matt lanter as anakin gotta give him credit i think he did a good job of kind of building off of what hayden christensen set up but also hope, giving him lanter's Oh, go ahead. Giving him some new directions to I go hope in Lanter's as well. Lanter's not feeling too injured from carrying the entire character of Anakin Skywalker on his back. <laughs> Am I wrong though? Um, yeah. Go go ahead. With your I think other... my next pick would have to be Vanessa Marshall for for Her or Hera Syndulla. I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved Hera in Rebels, and I just thought that. She had a lot of really great heartfelt moments, and throughout that, Vanessa Marshall did a did a fantastic fantastic job. And then, of course, Taya Sirkar for um, for Sabine Wren, also Trials of the Dark Saber, absolutely outstanding performance. Really loved that. And I have 
two more slots or one more? I can't remember. Tia. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa. Okay. And Matt. Okay, yeah. And Matt, yeah. So I think next I'm going to have to say Taylor Gray for Ezra Bridger in Rebels. I think Ezra often gets maligned for, for being a little bit immature in the start of the, the main cast of Rebels. Yeah. In the in the beginning of the series he gets a little bit maligned, but I really think that um he has a great uh a great increase in maturity through the show. He has a glow up and Taylor Gray really does a fantastic job. So I love that. A good list. I like it. Okay. Would you would people like me to share my list that I just came up yeah. with? Do it. Number five. This is going to shock Jacob, I'm sure. Sam Witwer as Darth Maul. Mm. Let's talk about a character okay, that I hate, but a performance <laughs> that I adore. If there's anything that redeems Maul for me, it is Witwer's incredible performance. I mean, the lines, the dialogue that Maul was given, especially I just watched that episode Brothers from the end of Though that dialogue is terrible. I hate it. I hate all of it. But Whitmer makes it sound so utterly convincing. It's shocking to me how good he is. From this arc itself, I want to talk about Dave Fenoy, who voiced the character of Pong Krell. Never has an actor gotten me to hate a character that they play so much. Um, number three... Let's talk about one of the best Star Wars animated shows ever to come out. Let's talk about Star Wars Resistance and Susie McGrath as Tamara Revora. Mm. What a performance. What a performance, man. I'm very uh, sorry to admit that I still haven't watched it. <laughs> so good, please. I know. You. you told me to uh, last time. <laughs> not surprised at myself. I'm not surprised at all about myself. Um, number two, curveball choice in here. Technically still an animated performance. Here we go. This is a weird one. Are you ready? Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis Ooh. in Jedi Fallen Order. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Can I jump in? I have Trilla on my list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm forgetting the actress name now. Elizabeth um, Kulan. Okay, good to know. Yep. And number one, I cannot believe this was not on Jacob's list. Um, you know her. I hope you love her because if you don't, I think something might be wrong with you. <laughs> Ashley Eckstein, number one. She Ahsoka was my freaking Tano. Yeah, she was my fifth pick. I think I only said four, but yeah, Ashley Eckstein was my fifth pick. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shall I read my I list? I don't think I need to explain. Okay. So my number one was also Hera, Vanessa Marshall. Um, that moment where she goes from basic to Ryloth accent lives in my head rent-free. <laughs> Forever and always. <laughs> that is... That, that is- so good such a good touch um my number two is d bradley baker for literally holding entire episodes alone yeah i was gonna (laughs) mention i'm like i feel so bad about not including that on the list (laughs) 
Oh, uh, Jacob feeling some regret too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah My number three is actually for Ahsoka. Um, I always think of specific episodes, and of course, that episode where they are with Plo Koon and they're going through the Belmora run. Is that oh, it? Oh, yeah, it's Malevolence. Yeah. yeah, and there's this scene where, like, Ashley is, like, it, there's something about Ahsoka's voice that 100% gives away how young she is. And yeah. I always think of that, like, seeing how her voice grows with her. Ashley's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah such a good is. moment. Um, My number four is Elizabeth for Trilla. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. So incredible performance. Um, I also have Sam for Maul. Yeah, like I liked Maul, but Sam made Maul. (laughs) Yeah, made. Yeah, Sam Witwer. Yeah, yeah. It's like I feel a little bad for Ray Park when they replaced his voice in one. Yeah, I don't feel any bad for um, Ray Park when they replaced his voice in Solo because it was Sam Witwer. And if there's anyone who deserves to voice Maul, it is Sam freaking Whitwer. 100%. It is incredible, actually, (laughs) how Sam is given some incredible voice performances to characters that I still hate anyway. (laughs) Starkiller. Starkiller's another one. Where Sam gives an incredible voice performance, I just still don't like Starkiller. That's fair. And then I have one honorable mention. Oh. Can we talk about Dave Filoni as Chopper? <laughs> King. King. Oh, of course. If, we, if we're going down that same road, Dave Filoni is Embo. Wait, I really? love Embo. Embo is my favorite King. bounty hunter. Bro, like, He's up there with me. Yeah. Maybe Django first, but yeah. Yeah. I, I just have this weird King. absolute like adoration for Embo. I don't know why. I think he's <laughs> the one. Embo is coming to Galaxy of Heroes. I flipped my lid. Yes. Yeah. I was like, he's, okay, yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna grind now, and I'm gonna get him. <laughs> yeah, I think I he might be the one feet. character in Star Wars that I know of who does winter sports when he snowboards on his helmet <laughs> in that one episode. <laughs> the, the rise of Clovis. What are your? What is everyone's top five Star Wars books? I was gonna. I was originally gonna make this novels, but you know, <laughs> I, I had trouble coming up with that myself, so I figured it might not be easy for people to be on the spot this includes for, like reference books yeah books and if reference because, books if you want yeah, comics if you if want this was Legends, reference books, canon, my top five and, would be completely reference books but okay <laughs> um i'm a reference book junkie top five star wars books and i think these may be in order but not necessarily um wild space love wild space is that a clone Wars spin-off novel it is <laughs> Mm, nice. <laughs> that was pulling from the back of my Star Wars recesses. <laughs> nice legend, job. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars trivia junkie, and you pulled from like the way back in there. <laughs> it's like it, th- those are the forbidden sections of the Jedi archives <laughs> of my trivia memory. Nice job there. Um, so there are two on my list that are series, and it's because the, you can't pick one. Um, the first series is Republic Commando. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my number three is Shatterpoint. Oh, yeah. Um, number four is Jedi Apprentice. Yeah. Yep. And then, I don't know if this one counts, but Dooku Jedi Lost. Ooh. It's an audiobook that's now in print format. So, ah, yeah. perfect. But yeah, so that'd be my top five. Um, change all the time. Jacob, you go while I think of a number four. Um, all right. This is hard. And this is. I'm not even going to try it. 
Oh gosh, this was really hard. I didn't think this through, but <laughs> I think my number one would have to be the first Darth Bane book. Yeah, it was just oh, Path of Destruction. Path of yeah. Destruction, so immersive, so great. Number oh, two, sorry. Fate of the Jedi Outcast. I absolutely loved getting to see the Keldor and that uh, the Keldor <laughs> Death Order when they're all living underground and they think that they're dead and everything. Oh my gosh. Number that three, legendary book. The uh, the first canon Thrawn book by Timothy John. Oh my legendary. god, that's crazy. <laughs> Number four, um. Yeah, the canon Princess Leia novel by E.K. Johnston. Mm. And number five... Claudia Gray. Oh, Claudia Gray. Oh, my bad. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Claudia Gray. And, yeah, my number five is going to have to be Master and Apprentice, the, uh, the Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon novel. Also by Claudia Gray. She's um, fantastic. I, yeah, she's awesome. Uh, Bloodline is incredible. Ooh, yes. Um, which is one of hers that I've read. Um, I'm going to have to BS my way out of a number four because I do not have a number four pick. Yay. Um, I, shoot, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, I'll just, yeah, okay, I'll do this. Number five, I'm going bottom up. Number five, gotta talk about from a certain point of view. Number one. Yeah, that. (laughs) Number four. I gotta talk about the making of Star Wars. Ooh. Like the original, the, um, what's his name? Rinsler. Jonathan Rinsler book um, about the making of A New Hope. At, it, stuff in there is crazy. <laughs> Number three, Jacob, you might find this familiar. Thrawn 2017 by <laughs> Timothy Zahn. Mm. We have the same number three. For number two, I must ask both of you a question. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> Darth Plagueis by James Lucino. And number one, to a, in a surprise to absolutely nobody, let's talk about Ultimate Star Wars. <laughs> wow. The ultimate reference book. The new version, too, with the previews for Rise of Skywalker. That one. The first one was incredible. The second one's on another level. So those are my five picks. Um, finally, I got one more uh, before we end this behemoth uh, of an episode. Uh, <laughs> top five Star Wars dark side figures. Now, here's what I mean. I mean people who are on the dark side who are not Sith. Um, canon or Legends. People who use the dark side of the Force who are not Sith. Okay, here we go. Number five. It's not a person, it's a group. I'm going with the Knights of Ren. They can indeed use the Force, and they're pretty deadly, even though we don't really get to see them a lot in the movies. Number four, we gotta talk about Supreme Leader Snoke. There's been an awakening, if you felt it. Number three, Mother Talzin. For obvious reasons. Mother Talzin. Number two, who is going to be originally number one until I figured out a loophole. Number two, Kylo Ren. Mm. Number one, due to a brief usage of the Force um, in the Darth Vader comic, I can now qualify Ochi of Bestoon for this category. Um, <laughs> which is why he is my number one. <laughs> there we go. I've done it. I've dropped Ochi in here episode is done we're good <laughs> you um, did it <laughs> i've done i've done it 
I've done it. Ochi of Festoon. You're welcome. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, My number five is going to have to be Savajo Press. Um, <laughs> I know not everybody here likes him, but I like him. I think um, I think I think he has his. He certainly has his moments, and I think he uh, he has a very tragic story in the Clone Wars, but it's still one that I think was well worth telling, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Number four, Quinlan Voss, when he was on the dark side, I thought he had quite an interesting journey. Legends or canon? Uh, I've, I've kind of conflated the two, I think, so I'm going to go with okay. Legends, because that's probably going to give me more leeway in case I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, he's in both. He's dark side okay, in both. Okay, good. Yeah, but yeah, I, I still think I've, I've, I've experienced more of the Legends. There's version. Undercover Voss, and there's Admiral Enigma Voss. A Voss. I don't know much about Admiral Enigma. No, it's I undercover Voss, actually. Okay, so Legends. Yeah, Voss. Legends. Um, at number three, I'm gonna go with the Grand Inquisitor. I really like how he made. Maybe he was a maybe he was a Jedi before. You know, we get that one line drop in season two of uh, Rebels, but we never really know. Number two, Mother Talzin. I know maybe she's not completely evil. I know. I know. A lot of people have a lot of love for the Night Sisters, and so do I. But I think she is. She uses the dark side. I think she's a dark sider. She matters. She she does some pretty despicable things in some <laughs> books. And my she number tries to suck the soul out of somebody in season six. Yeah, and number one, Ventress, no contest. Even though she's not completely dark side for all of the Clone Wars, I think her as a character overall, easily number one. Easily. Let's talk about four entries of sequel content on my list and zero entries of sequel content. I'll <laughs> that says nothing to you, then you're wrong. Uh, so Asajj is also my number one, because yes. Um, my number two is, again, Trilla. I love her. I love her. Ah, uh, yes. The great Trilla. The great Trilla. Um, the great Trilla. Series. I have another Inquisitor as my number three, the seventh sister from Rebels. Yeah. Underrated character. Truly. She gets yeah. lumped in with the the other worse Inquisitors, and yeah. it doesn't do her well. No, um, just because the fifth brother and eighth brother weren't weren't able to do jack shit. Yeah, she tried. Doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean that seven sister, who is totally not Barris. Um, yeah, totally not Barris. <laughs> yeah. Um, My number four is the son. Mm-hmm. I was considering putting him on the list. Yep. And my number five is possibly bending the rules a little bit, but it's Step of Balaba. Legends. That counts. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was about to push put the song on my list, but then I'm like, okay, this one's going to tick off Jacob. This one's going to tick <laughs> off Jacob. I'm like, oh, I can't oh. put the sun on this one. The sun's going to tick off Jacob too much. I'm going to make an entire list that's just going to be in a, a giant F you to Jacob. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Please, not on. Please, don't censor yourself on my behalf. That's the last thing I would want. You know this. I also just thought of better examples. Really, that's really what it was. I just thought okay, of better that's examples. that's fair. That's fair. Sun's another number like seven on this list or something for me. I don't that's know. fair. Anyway, um, that's gonna be it for this behemoth of an episode of Star Wars and Galaxy. This is the longest recording we've ever done. Um, but <laughs> I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Um, I had to so, top um, last time. <laughs> yeah, that was the longest recording we ever done. It was. Up until that point as well, actually. <laughs> um, anyway, um, 
make sure to follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. You can find, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be there. Leave a five star rating and review. It really does help. Um, email us at swinagalaxy at gmail.com. Um, next week, let's see what's next week. Next week, we are going to be watching. I think it's Nigeria, actually. Ooh, it indeed banger. is Nigeria. Kidnap slaves of the Republic and escape from Kadavo. I know Jacob's going to have a lot to say about that. Our, um. <laughs> Yeah, until next time, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>